How God Redeems Hardship. That's the title of the message, How God Redeems Hardship. We're going verse by verse through, this is like my favorite book in the entire Bible. And there's 66 different books. I love the book of James. Um, of course, we're talking half-brother of Jesus. Uh, his name, if we were, you know, with him 2,000 years ago, we'd be calling him Yaakov or Jacob. We're going to pick it up here in verse 5. Actually, it would be important to get context. Look at verse 2. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man. He is unstable in all of his ways. I want to pray one more time. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us at this time. We just step into this time, see it not as a time of lecture or a classroom, but dynamically a dialogue with you. Fill us afresh with your spirit. We give our hearts to you afresh in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Well, I have to say, one of the great blessings of my life was watching our children grow. And now our grandchildren. We had five of our grandchildren over at our home yesterday. And I'm so tired. Okay, anyways. But I have to say, I loved watching our children grow. Because life is a miracle. And to watch the unfolding of DNA is staggering to me. I'm in awe of it. And of course, I send pictures of our grandkids to my father, who's 90 years of age, best man of my wedding, still is my best man. I told him he's always going to be my best man. I love him so much. And I can tell my mom and dad just, they savor pictures. They just see the kids growing. I mean, every parent out there, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, uh, and actually some in this room, I'm not going to embarrass them, but we, you know, we didn't see each other for a few months. And then when, I'm talking about the youngsters here, and then getting back from this COVID thing, they've grown. You know, it's just, it's amazing to me. DNA, the unfolding of life, I absolutely love it. And when we moved from the home we raised our kids a few years ago, I, I you know, it, it was a great home. Of course, home is more like where my children and my precious wife is, of course. But um, I wouldn't, I, I didn't miss the home. I, I thought, you know, I'm ready to move. But there was one part of the home I wish I could have taken with us. And that was, there was a door frame in our kitchen. And it had all the markings of the growth of our kids. So I got this board and I did my best to copy, you know, where Lily was in 2001. And then where Greg was in 2006 and Pete and so forth. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Kind of like this measuring. And then like I measured even Stephanie. And, you know, we, so I was like, what was she like in 2002? There she is. And then I measured her in 2008 and went down. You know, anyway, just kidding. No, uh, kind of for both of us and stuff. But the Lord values growth. Okay, he values growth. And I mean, think of Moses. Here he's called by God, 80 years of age, to lead the children of Israel out of enslavement in Egypt. Moses is apprehensive. He's insecure as a communicator. Here's what it tells us. Please hear this. That growth isn't just physical, okay? Uh, growth isn't just 
ability or like, hey, what is your skills at this time? Because for Moses, he was really apprehensive and insecure regarding his skills, his ability to speak. Growth is also availability. It's not just ability, it's availability. Like, Lord, I am open for you to work in my life afresh. Like if I were to ask you, hey, how's your availability strength? Where are you at? Are you available to the Lord? I mean, are are you putting restrictions on him? Are you just saying, Lord, like whatever you want to do, you want to love through me, you want to forgive through me, you want me to be courageous and reach out to a loved one or friend or call this person. You know, availability is a strength. Can I hear an amen to that, right? And growth can be not looking back. Hey, let me, this is speaking, I, I can imagine to someone, if not all of us, this is growth. Don't look back. Keep looking forward in Jesus' name. The possibilities are huge. Can I hear another amen to that? And I think of Paul. I mean, Paul was a scholar, a really incredible mind, and groomed by the great Rabbi Gamil in Jerusalem, a part of the Sanhedrin as a young man. Why am I mentioning? Well, of course, the most important decision he ever made was to follow Jesus. But later in his life, he said, I learned to be content. So it's like he was still learning. I learned all the more that my sufficiency is in the Lord himself, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, all of that to say this. The context here has to do with growth, but it's in the context of trials or adversity. That's important because here's the reality. Okay, trials are not a matter of if, but when. We mentioned this last week. There's like three seasons of life. You're either in a trial or you're moving out of a trial and there's some sense of reprieve or just right around the corner and it may be the next 30 minutes. I hope not. There's another trial awaiting you. And James is saying in verse 2, he says, consider it all joy. And the word consider there kind of speaks of a mental muscle. He's saying, I want you to think about trials differently. And in, in summation, he's saying, I want you to think of trials as a test of your faith and therefore be patient. Let me illustrate that. Because when I hear the term test, I'm like, man, I you know, wasn't so prepared in school. I don't know if I really like tests. And stuff. And when you're going through hardship, who wants to be in a test? You barely have the strength to pull yourself up sometimes. So it's like, this is very important, and we got to get this right. Think of turbulence. How many of you have been on a plane? I know, just raise your hand, okay? And you've experienced turbulence. The pilots will tell us that turbulence is like potholes in the sky or just little bumps in the road. Does that comfort you? Okay. And, um, I mean, for a while, I love turbulence. And I've been on many transatlantic flights. And the turbulence sometimes would just put me to sleep. I had this terrible experience landing in Ontario years ago, kind of threw my feeling on turbulence. But I'm doing better. I'm doing okay. Was, but the thing is, when you go through turbulence, here's what you're thinking. Okay, the instruments are working. Pilot knows what they're doing. You know, planes just don't fall out of the sky. What James is saying here is we're going to have turbulence in life. It's not a matter of if, but when. God is much more faithful and strong than a plane, okay? It's a test of your faith. Faith has an object. The object is God. God never fails, right? 
planes are really consistent. Are you guys with me on this, right? They don't just fall out of the sky. And in fact, before we ever get on a plane, we've done a little pre-flight prep because we, we know the statistics are really good. And what James is saying here, I want you to think differently about adversity and trials because it's a test of your faith. Faith has an object which is God. God never fails. Therefore, your faith actually will never fail. You say, what are you talking about? My faith will never fail. I feel weakness all the time. Actually, your faith is not based upon your strength. Your faith is based upon the strength of Almighty God. And so he's, what he's saying here is, look, when you're amidst turbulence, I want you to be patient and persevere, okay? Instead of like on the plane of the turbulence or trials of your life, you just want to run to the exit and jump out of the plane. I want you to sit down. I want you to trust me because... I'm going to get you to the other side. And he says in verse 4, check it out, guys. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hey, notice, he didn't say, let age have her perfect work. No, let perseverance. Look, watch this. In other words, you're on the plane. Don't freak. Don't freak out. I mean, you, you may be like, this is hard. I'm in pain. I, got, I have anxiety over concern. Got it. I mean, we've all been there. That's, that's, that, that is to be human. Okay, I understand. But look, the Lord doesn't want us to bail on Him. He doesn't want us to bail on godly attitude. He doesn't want to bail on our family or on our marriage. Watch, watch this. He wants us to persevere, remain under the pressure, re- like hang in there amidst the turbulence because He is accomplishing a work of of maturity in our life. Age is not a guarantee of maturity. There are a lot of 30-year-olds who have never grown up. There are a lot of 50-year-olds who have never grown up. Are you with me on this? Okay, there are even 70-year-olds, they haven't grown up. And, And the problem is, is that if you don't grow up mature, have stickability and perseverance, the stakes only get higher. Say, what do you mean? Well, like, okay, we have a granddaughter can I, can I show you some pictures of her right now? She, no, we have a granddaughter. She's 16 months. Oh my goodness gracious, she's so cute. Okay, girls are awesome. 16, okay, well, she, when she cries, it's cute. I mean, she's, there's an impulsivity. She's, she wants this, she wants that. That's cute. I mean, it's just everything about her is cute, right? All right, so, but if you take an impulsiveness... Uh, to, in a, into adulthood, uh, that's not cute. I mean, the stakes get high because choices have consequences. So it's like, I mean, she may be like, well, I want this, and then though no, she wants this, and she's just a little, you know, it's so cute. But you show me impulsiveness in an adult when they're making decisions without thinking it through with God's help. Well, the Bible says life and death is set before us. Choose life. I mean, impulsiveness, a lack of patience and stickability and perseverance among adults is not good. Are you guys with me on that? And then, like, well, words have consequences. I mean, the Bible says a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. I mean, sometimes kids, they, they say all kinds of things. It's cute. And sometimes they say things, they have no idea the meaning of actually what they are saying. But the stakes get higher if we're not growing in maturity and we're thinking through what we say, think of the acronym T-H-I-N-K. 
You know, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? T-H-I-N-K. Think. We've got to think it through. And, and look at the context here, you guys. James chapter 1. Context. Look at verse 19. Like James goes on to say, and we've got to see all of this in context. So, so then, my beloved, brother, my, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So, like, look up here for a second. So, in other words, you show me someone who's being reactive, right? So, they're maybe in pain, just got cut off on the freeway, whatever the case is, and they're reactive. They're not, they're not patient. And I'll show you someone who's fertilizing, not righteousness, but unrighteousness. And Christianity is about breaking destructive cycles. And, and, and like, as we get older, hey, judgments, like how we judge, how we discern situations have consequences. The Bible says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. You know, one of the things I, I've said this before, but I really admire about my dad is I'll be talking to him and, and oftentimes he'll, he'll say he's very smart and has a lot of experience in life, but he'll say, I, I, I don't know anything about that, he'll say. I say, Dad, you know, I was thinking about this. Or, what are you saying? I, I don't know anything about that. And I'm thinking to myself, it's never stopped me from giving my opinion. You know, it's like, but for him, I don't know anything about that. I, I can't really say. That, that's actually a good thing. Because we're called to be peacemakers. And love suffers long and is kind. So, and we talked about it a billion times, but love retreats and when there's adversity in interpersonal relationships, when there's hardship and there's, and there's struggle, retreats, doesn't react. Retreats, and it's between the retreat and the advance, it's the greatest learning curve in our life. Retreats in long-suffering, advances in kindness or mellowness. So, look, like the Lord wants to work what? Perseverance, be patient, there's a perfecting work, being reactive, impulsive, leads to shortcuts, leads to addictions. What about the wisdom of delayed gratification? You know, it may feel good, but it isn't good, right? It may uh, be convenient, but it's not of godly character. Biblically, all of this is called carnality, Okay, so the Lord is wanting to work perseverance, remain under the pressure, don't be reactive. Because when we're reactive, impulsive like a child, biblically it's called carnality, which is an arrested state of development. Paul says, and I, brethren, cannot speak to you as the spiritual people, but as carnal, as babes in Christ, fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now, you're still not able. Check this out. For you are still carnal. Where there's envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? Okay, guys, return back to the turbulence illustration. Here's the reality, okay? My precious brothers and sisters, Rise family and friends, okay, here's the reality. Every single day of our life, we're going to be tested. Every day, it's like we're going to get on the plane, just wake up. It's like being on a plane. There's going to be turbulence. Just expect it. And actually, to expect it actually helps. You're going to be tested in a few hours. You're going to be tested on whether or not you're going to trust that the Lord will provide for you. You're going to be tested whether or not you believe He's 
present with you. Can I hear an amen to that, right? Because he, he is always, never leave us nor forsake us. You're going to be tested. In one way, you're going to get some turbulence. You're going to wonder, man, is he with me? Yeah, he's with you. Oh, man, for sure. Just like he was Paul. And you're, going to, you're going to be tested. Like, Does he hear me? Absolutely. Here's every prayer. And he answers according to his perfect will. You will be tested in those areas. So it speaks of the wisdom of why we should then give first fruits to the Lord in the morning. And we should have a kind of a pre-flight plan, if you will, i.e., man, it's important to have devotions. It's important to kind of think through, okay, the Lord is with me today. He hears my prayers. He's going to provide my needs. He's going to work all things out for the good. That's a fact. That's a fact. Can I hear an amen to that? I love that. And, you know, one of my prayers for my children, now they're adult children, is I pray for them that they would be consistent with their devotions. No kidding. <laughs> like prayer and reading the word and, and going to church and making a difference, giving the gospel to others. So we're going to be tested. Sometimes life gets crazy and it gets crazy really quick. It's a mystery to me. You know, we put away those Christmas lights, you know, after we're finished draping them on the tree and we wind them up real carefully and we put them in the box and then we open them a year later. What has happened? I mean, it's like, they just get it. Can it, what? It's like, like, listen, one of the smartest guys in the world is right back there, my dear friend, Paul Cross. He could explain why, why that is. I have no idea why that is. But I'll tell you this, is that the good news is when it gets crazy, we even have the Holy Spirit who's praying for us. I just love it. So, guys, be patient. The Lord's wanting to work patience in our life. And uh, so important. Now, Check it out. Here's the first point. Point number one, God's working perseverance. You have it up on the screen. And maturity for you to experience His strength in your life. Remember, the testing of our faith isn't so much about our strength. It's about God's strength. And our feelings of weakness doesn't determine nor reflect God's strength. It's not based upon how we feel. Okay, now, here we go. Look at verse 5, guys. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So you're amidst a trial, and you need wisdom. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. The Bible places huge emphasis on wisdom, needless to say. Big emphasis. So Hebraic, so Jewish. Wisdom. Not just knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Like Solomon, for example, you know, was a man who just gave himself to study simulated all this information, which by the way, I just want to say, you'd be so impressed with how much I know. You would. I'm just telling you. I just don't remember it, okay? But anyways, I've been exposed to it a lot. I just don't remember. That's my problem. Anyways, um, knowledge is one thing, okay? Exposed to facts. Wisdom is the right application. So, you know, I've said it before, but like knowledge is, oh, look at the cute little Creatures black with a white stripe down its back, and that's a skunk, and oh, oh, so cute, cute. You know, knowledge, wisdom is like, I'm out of here. You know, it's like, that, that's the right application. You know, it's interesting. Proverbs 30, verse 24 through 26, tells us uh, that there's wisdom, right? Like, right application to learn from small, four small creatures. And one is the ant, okay? It's like, what wisdom do you gain from the ant? Oh, to make the best and most responsible decisions today in prep for tomorrow. That's wisdom. 
Can I hear an amen to that? Today matters. And then there's the wisdom of the coney, the small, feeble animal. And uh, it's known for its weakness. And therefore, it depends upon that which is greater than itself to find safety. And then there's the wisdom of the locust, all right? The wisdom is, hey, they're stronger together or in numbers. Then there's the wisdom of the lizard, which sounds so weird, but basically it it tells of the king holding the lizard in his palace. The idea is that lizard kind of just steps into an opportunity to get into the palace. The point is, you want to take advantage of small opportunities that can lead to a unique position or place in your life. The context is that amidst adversity, trials, if you need the right perspective, the right application, the right help, the right action, you want to get relational. You want to go vertical. And so look at with me, please, in verse 5. Who, he, he, if we ask, he'll give liberally and without approach, and it will be given to him. So in other words, it's just a guarantee. If you ask the Lord amidst adversity and hardship, um, for wisdom, like, Lord, get, help me with right perspective. Guarantee he will give you the answer. Guarantee it. In verse 17, look at context, broader context. Jump down to verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. A big idea. It's in other words, our Father is perfectly good. He gives only that which is good. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, you ask for help, you knock. You see, he's not going to give you a stone. He's going to give you bread. Guarantee it. The Father only gives you what's good. He gives wisdom. It's like, Lord, I need right perspective. I, I, I need right application. What's the right behavior here? You know, there's been an injustice. How do I respond to it? In chapter 3, he talks about how wisdom is peaceable, easy to be entreated. And notice here in verse 6, this is very important to get this, guys. It says, but let, let him ask in faith with no doubting. No doubting. Okay. Look, another way of saying this is like, okay, look, this is like, be confident. Because your father, like you get in the original language, he's like, he's super like focused. He has this like focus upon answering this prayer. Just totally, that's who he is. He will respond to it. Guarantee you don't have to worry about it, guarantee it. You don't have, don't doubt. Because if you doubt, the problem with doubting is doubting is unstable. It's like, he goes on to say in verse 6, it's, it's like a wave of the sea. A wave of the sea is without rest. A wave of the sea is unstable. It's driven by winds, you know, the circumstances. Look, don't do that. There's no reason to be like that. There's no reason to doubt. But let's be clear. Okay, watch. We're humans, right? We're humans. So, so in other words, our emotional or mental state may not always be like, oh man, I just have the utmost confidence, just feeling great. Hey, listen, I, I need about three espressos in the morning to have, to have that kind of confidence. You know what I mean? So um, did that make any sense? Okay. Anyways, so the point is, is we're humans. And so we're not always going to just be, oh, I, I feel great. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to feel a little tossed and tur- turned upside down sometimes. When Paul said about Abraham, he did not waver in his faith, the reality is, is Abraham did waver in his faith. So Bible scholars believe he's more referring to the fact that he was just consistent. Okay, he's consistent. It's like we're born again, there is a consistency there. 
Jesus, in Luke 11, as I mentioned, said, just ask. The Lord will answer, guarantee it. And the point is, our Heavenly Father does not want us to live in uncertainty. He wants us to trust His promises. Can I hear a big amen to that? So, and it's like, look, I, I remember there was a major turning point in our life. We had a big decisions to make. This came front and center. I'm telling you, and I just give glory to God because it was monstrosity. It was big. Small thing is the big thing, but this was big. And we just needed like wisdom. Lord, you promised, Papa, you just brought, and I believe it. So we're going to bend our knee, our heart. We're going to cry out to you. It's not about posture, but we're, Lord, and I'm going to drop this Give this to you. I'm going to step away. And here's the good thing. When we, we ask the Lord in prayer, you, you bring the request, give him a blank piece of paper. To, don't put any restrictions on him to speak into your life. None. It's like, what do you want to say? I am like, speak, Lord, that I might hear you. You just want to like, blank page. Are you guys with me on this? Do not put restrictions. Okay? So ask Give him a blank page, no restrictions, and have high expectation for his answer. And I'll tell you, the Lord loves to answer such questions like this. Lord, what kind of person do you want me to be today? You know, what kind of person do you want me to be today? You know, what, what, what kind of love do you want me to embody? What kind of forgiveness do you want me to embody? Lord, how do you want to use this thing and this circumstance to produce righteousness of Jesus in me today? That's a great prayer. And, and you know, sometimes, and I mentioned this many times, you guys, because we've studied this as a church family, this, past, this particular passage a couple times uh, already. Um, but look, sometimes the Lord wants to just change the way you think. We're waiting for our circumstances to change. And, and that was actually a big lesson, getting back to that earlier personal reference. is like, Lord, give me wisdom. The answer came, Greg, you know, you're waiting for circumstances to change. I want to change you. So Greg, I want to change you. I want to change the way you think. And if I can change the way you think, that possibly lead to your circumstance change. But I'm mostly concerned about changing you. Are you guys with me on this? All right? Because changing the way we think is important. Hey, maybe, okay, maybe you're thinking too small. I mean, maybe you're like in, you, your, your focus, your thinking is like, it's too narrow. And, and he wants to enlarge your thinking and in doing so enlarge your heart and possible circumstances. doesn't promise, by the way, he changes our circumstances, but he does promise to change us. That's what our father's mostly after. I've told this story before. I'd like to tell it again. I'm sure there's people who have not heard it, but I just love this story. Avi Yorin, true story, an Israeli. He gets in a motorcycle accident. Jerusalem Post is reporting on this. He ends up in a hospital, and the doctors come in and say, you know, Avi, um, everything's good from the motorcycle thing, but, but there is an issue, and that is you have a brain tumor. What? Yeah, 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 your legs are good, your hips are good, your lungs are good, there's no... I'm sorry to say, but, you know, when we examined MRI or wherever it was, you have a brain tumor, and, and the thing is, we don't have the technology to, to reach that tumor uh, but, you know, Avi, pray about it. You know, hopefully in a few years we can address the situation. Avi ended up spearheading a company that discovered the technology that ended up bringing in his own healing. So, so the point is, is that adversity, hardship, trial, okay, what did it do? It changed the way he thought. 
that ended up bringing about healing in his life. Here's point number two, you guys. The Father draws us to himself. He answers the prayer, Lord, give me wisdom. It's like, so just think, okay, the, Lord's, the Lord is working perseverance in my life amidst this adversity, but he also wants to draw me close to him, to Papa, to Papa. Okay, if you really want to abbreviate your notes, I don't know if you're writing notes, just write, like, write perseverance and write Papa. Because <laughs> he, he wants to create perseverance, staying power, stability, so that we're not reactive, we're trusting him, and we're going to watch how he's going to flex his muscles amidst the adversity and the challenges in our life. Can I hear a big amen to that? He's faithful, and it's true. I love it. And number two, we've got a great papa. And he just wants us to go, come on now, talk to me about this. Go vertical. Now, I want you to look at verse 21, you guys. Just context, we're almost done. Verse 21, James, in essence, is saying, receive this word. Do, be a doer of the word, and it will save your souls. The word is the perfect law of liberty. Look, in context, okay, in context, we draw context to this point, okay? He's saying, look, receive what we just learned. Receive it. Okay, and that is this, that, that the Lord will give wisdom, guarantee, but he, he's, he's, he's accomplishing a perfecting work, a maturing work in our lives. It's been said, if the Lord can work endurance, stickability, where we're not reacting in puppets of our feelings and our circumstances, like he can give us everything. So the Lord help us with that. Can I hear an amen to that? Hey, let's all stand at this time, you guys. Let's all stand. Let's pray. Father, Father, we love you. And on, and on this Father's Day, it's really our hearts go towards you. But I, I'm thinking of some in this room perhaps missing their, their dads on planet Earth. I can, I, I, oh, oh, I'm not looking forward to it, but I want to pray you would comfort them. And I just thank you, Lord. You're, you are our Papa. You're, you're the most beautiful Father there could ever be. And thank you for your word because it, it does bring liberty. It brings freedom. It brings wholeness. It brings about the potential that you created us to experience and to know. And, uh, and Lord, I pray for, for everyone here, myself, for our church family, that we would group bloom in, in this very area of perseverance, of godly wisdom, of embodying justice, embodying love, embodying taking the next step. Thank you always give us enough light for the next step. So for those, Lord, who are amidst that trial at this time, I want to thank you that you're giving enough light for the next step. And I also want to thank you, Lord, that you are making adjustments in the way we think to bring about growth in our own life and perhaps even circumstantially as well. Uh, but Lord, you know the details of the trials that are represented here. And I thank you, you are on it and you got it. And I just want to finally, just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to say this in terms of the perfect law of liberty, which is an interesting way to say it. We think laws often are restrictive, and laws, of course, are purpose to protect us. And God's law bring is, 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 does just that because he loves us with everything. But let me just say this. 
The perfect law of liberty is John 3.16. Jesus said, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So I just want to say, just while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, the Lord loves you with everything. He loves every human being on planet Earth. I mean, just, man, here we have upheaval in our world. Think about it. The God of heaven loves every human. Sees, does, he, he, he sees tribes, he sees tongues, he sees nations, but we're really the human race. That's the race, is the human race. And God loves every human being. Enough not to leave them the way they are. Wants to bless them, run them down, protect them from themselves, bring them in right relationship with them. And I just want to say, the Lord loves you. You may remember that. Receive that afresh. He loves you, loves you, loves you, loves you. Loves you, loves you, loves you. Maybe there's someone here that there's, has not yet been a time in your life where you formally invited Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. He says he stands at the door and knocks, and if we hear his voice, which we just did, I quoted his, what he said, and open the door, he'll come in. So I just want you to know that you can leave here knowing your sins are forgiven, knowing if you were to die, you'd go to heaven, and knowing that Christ indwells you as Savior and Lord. And that can happen. Nothing to be ashamed of, because the reality is uh, 99%, if not all of us in this room, have said at one time or another in our life, Lord, we need you. We, we, we realize we need help outside of ourselves. We need a Savior. So that's, a, that's actually great. And the Lord will bless you. And I just want to just make sure. It's, it's, I know it's, Friday, it's Father's Day and, and, and we have this beautiful service here, but I just want to make sure just while heads are about, eyes are closed, how many would say, Greg, you know, I want to leave here, knowing for sure if I had died, go to heaven. I, I want this, I want my eternity settled. And I came here not knowing for sure my sins are forgiven. I'd have died, go to heaven, I'm right with God. But I want to leave here knowing for sure that is the case. If that's you, I'd love to lead you in a word of prayer. I just want you to raise up your hand. This is just a private moment. I'm just going to ask, you like to receive Christ, I want to give an invitation, lead in a word of prayer if there's anyone here who would like to do that. So, Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, draw them, I pray to yourself. But I thank you, Lord, for your work in all of our lives. We love you. Bless our church family at home, uh, enjoying services online. Thank you for everyone here. And I ask finally, continue to protect us, Lord, from this virus. I think you have I just thank you for all the prayers. You have, you have, you have, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen.